future generations can get this urge. Stay woke, youngin', and avenge these nerds. Uh. Oh man, wait, no, this is this is wrong. There we go. What's going on, wait, man? This is wrong. There we go. <laughs> it's up, guys. It's Tuesday night. It's your host Sebastian. Good boy, Law. Anybody tone from across the hall? What's up? And and I am feeling great because last week was technical difficulty week. Um, yeah, well, congrats well, 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 to wild. <laughs> it was a wild week. Good episode, yeah. though. Good chat, good conversation yeah. that we had. You know, congrats to the crew. <laughs> Hit yeah. a goal in three hours, you know. Yo, like. that's <laughs> Casey. Yo, they hit it in an hour. That was just dope. Um, yeah. I'm I'm just loving the Kickstarter energy that we're seeing because a lot of people are hitting their Kickstarters and other did it just like blasting them out there, man. It's like holy shit. What up? Forgive me, guys, because also too we have a new member of the family whose name is Willow. It's not a baby. No, no, no. It is a dog. Yes, me and the wife have adopted a dog now, and um, she keeps me running, gets me up early in the morning. So if I look like I have bags on my eyes, it's because you get no sleep. <laughs> He's blaming it on the dog. Okay. Uh-huh. I do. I do. Uh-huh. I need to get up at 7. Hello, Cheyenne. What's up, Cheyenne? Hey, man, what's up? What's up, what's up? So let's get off with some announcements. So announcements, yes. yes Arala yes. says she wants to see the dog. <laughs> uh, she is asleep. <laughs> you're going to you're gonna have to post it on the gram. I'm going to have to post it on the gram. I, I will. I will be posting it up. Actually, Hello, do, do I have a picture? I, I uh, think I do. The next time, I think Herm, next time I, I, we'll send a picture. Yes, we will get a picture of her and have her together. But I will tell you, the dog's name is Willow. Willow is the dog's name. Awesome name for the dog. Anyway, let's get to some announcements. Oh, please, guys, subscribe to us on YouTube. Follow us on TikTok. Follow us on Instagram. Give us the support there and everything. Uh, we promise, we promise, we promise more content is coming for that. Also, too, I want to give it a big apologies for the fact that um, we are delayed in creator series interviews. So we are backed up. So we are going to start steadily releasing some of those now. Um, again, technical issue week also put us behind on that. So they are coming. Um, we may be dropping two this week. Um, and there goes Pepper. Pepper. <laughs> there goes there goes one of the nerds mascots right there. That's right. Yeah, you got all that. He boop he booped Willow on the head. Um, <laughs> gives him the boops. <laughs> um, also too, yes. Also too, guys, please go to Inbeyondcon, um, Inbeyond.com to check out everything there. That's Inbeyond. You can check out the con. You can check out all the products. You can even check out the Medusa's Cascade podcast. If you're into Dungeons and Dragons, Dungeons and Dragons podcast, Medusa's Cascade gets released every Saturday. We're like on episode 40 plus right now with that D&D podcast. Really, really I think we're like a few episodes away from 50. Which yeah, is which is really phenomenal. And 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 just, just Tom, give a shout out to the whole crew and Tommy. I mean, you Tommy, got yeah, right here. And we have a whole new campaign, two campaigns coming out very soon. Oh, yeah. There's, well. there's a so lot of stuff. There's so much going on. But um, guys, we're in spooky season. It is October. It is scary month. We got a two-segment episode this week, uh, which... Again, yeah, there are no shows, but um, if you guys want to hear us talk about Squid Game, tune in next week because we have an awesome artist, Miriam Yu, coming on who's been drawing some fantastic Squid Game art. So if you want to hear our thoughts on Squid Game, come next week. But today, for Spooky Month, we're going to be talking monsters a little bit later, movie monsters and everything. But 
we're here with um, a gentleman who we got to interview before about his comic called Lords of the Cosmos, which was a pretty interesting book that we got to talk about, got to learn more about him, um, saw his dope inking style and everything, and just this, 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 this magnum opus of a comic that we got to see and all that, and got to build a great relationship with him. I love that he he's also into aliens and everything because he shares all the stuff with um, aliens, the colonial marines. I see him posting all the stuff and all that, but. He has a Kickstarter out right now that you guys want to add to your collection. Um, and it's the perfect Kickstarter for spooky season. And if you know someone who likes spooky gifts, please support this Kickstarter. Get multiple of them. I mean, he's already fully flinched his goal, but it doesn't hurt to get him up there even more. Um, he's the you know, creator the of the, the game. We love, we love those we push love goals. We, we, we love, love the push goals. Yeah. yeah. Push goals. Force him to make push goals. Force him to add more stuff to this Kickstarter. But it's awesome because it's called the Satanic Coloring Book. I want to give a shout out and welcome back to the show, Jason Lennox. Jason, what's up? Guys, hey, what's going on? I I I, I, I forgot how many people talked to me about aliens because I, I, I have all <laughs> these complete rabbit hole things on Facebook. So I can always uh Nice. Post up something. I, I just put a scale drawing some maniac made of the Sulaco, uh, I think yesterday on Facebook. And people are like, oh, interesting, interesting. You posted oh, the thing with the Legos, didn't it? Like, I think you posted the thing with well, the, the Legos. The Lego APs, I mean, it's just, it's endless, right? There's an endless stream of content on, on aliens, which I loved it when I was 11 when I saw it in theaters. And what is it, 34 years later, I'm still like, hmm. It's, it's just, we keep micro analyzing it for every possible tidbit it never gets old you already got cheyenne since i said take my money cheyenne's ready what if she sees the video right it's 80 percent uploaded so we'll be able to oh, get we're, it we're gonna we're gonna play that video when we get it but um we're, i do want to showcase this so please tell us jason and first of all what up george what's up and and again, just to answer Zarellis's question, yes, we promise we will have a picture of the dogs just for you guys for the holidays. It, it, we'll get a holiday picture. But um, Jason, tell us what was the inspiration behind the Satanic Coloring Book? Which again, congratulations, so, you've knocked this Kickstarter out the park. But please tell us what was the inspiration. So, I like to keep a lot of diversity in my artwork. So a lot of people know me through doing things like Lords of the Cosmos because I love 80s comic book um, cartoon madness and, and Lords of the Cosmos is my magnum opus journey in there. Um, but I also do other things sometimes simultaneously. So for the last er, about six years, I've been doing a lot of satanic art um, for freelance customers. And then I did enough that I started to kind of get to know a lot of people in that community. And then that community started to give me more work um, because I made them look good. I mean, for lack of a better word. So I, I really got to know the people in that community. Um, and I really uh, fell in love with, with a lot of the, just the feel and the people and, and just kind of exploring and, and, and really being welcomed by all those people. And it's funny because you start talking to people and, in a community in this case it's it's kind of a it's kind of a uh you know it's a religious group but there's a lot of pop culture influences with satanism and it was like you do all this artwork with the black and white stuff is really tight will you make a coloring book and i was like no no i, I don't want to do that because that's how my personality is i'm always quick to say no 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 and uh you keep hearing it over and over and over again so between lords of the cosmos two and three i said you know what i think i'm going to do this so, um, but I didn't know how. So I was at a thing called Drink and Draw in State College where I live. And there was an artist there that he's local and he's a friend named Brian Allen. 
you guys maybe don't know who Brian Allen is, but you probably know something that he made. So he's the guy that made Gritty for the NHL's Ooh. Flyers. So he's the, guy, Gritty. <laughs> he's okay. the guy that made up Gritty. And, it, and I said, he said, what are you up to? And I said, I'm trying to make a coloring book, but I said, I don't know where to go. And it's kind of got the whole thing uh, stymied. And he said, well, you know, if you go near the mall, there's a place called KB Offset Printing. And uh, he goes, they do coloring books. And I said, get out of here. So I went and had a meeting with the general manager, Ray. Um, and he outlined that we could do it. He goes, oh, we do these things all the time. But we're, we're a big player in the worldwide coloring book market. And I was kind of like, hmm, okay, well, now I've got the resource to do it. So I, when I wrapped up Lords of the Cosmos for in February, I started doing two things producing the comic book to get it out to our Kickstarter backers in September, which was on time. And then I had a meeting with Ray and um, a, a really good friend, uh, Danny Zemba, that does a lot of coloring and, and graphic work for my projects. And we had a meeting and said, this is what we're going to do. And um, I collected all the artwork that I had, which was like, I think, 68 pieces. And then we kind of made a decision to split the book into two books. And that's why we have Volume 1 Rituals, which is kind of the adults-only uh, content. And then animals, which is the all ages, you know, you could show it to your kids kind of stuff. And lo and behold, the satanic coloring book started coming together in like March, which the idea was to launch it in October. So I launched it October 5th. So uh, and, you know, at the same time, I'm also working on Lords of the Cosmos five and six right now at the same time. So for me, you know, I like to mix it up. So mm -hmm. the satanic coloring book is basically me putting a bow on the last six years of doing this kind of work because I enjoy it because just for me with my brain, it helps me to do different stuff. So I like to do fan art. I like to do my comic. I like to do occult and satanic art. It helps me mix it up so it's not just the same stuff. And I, I you know, you, you get to know some artists that tend to do the same thing over and over and over again. And to me, that gets stale. So for me, I like to, to mix it up. So um, like I said, this is six years of work all kind of put together in a theme that I would have never, I would have never thought I would have made a coloring book, but it all just worked out. And, and I'm really, really proud of it. And I think it's an awesome project. And it's, I think it's pretty unique. Yeah, for sure. There you go. So Jayanne is sold. <laughs> the kick, for those who want to support the Kickstarter, the link is there. And for those who want to learn more about Jason in the description, all is there, including the interview that we did with Jason to learn more about Lords of the Cosmos as well. Yes. But again, it, your ink style is fantastic. And it lends, again, like I said, I was a big fan of your inks. I still am. And I just love your line work on this, man. I mean, I, I think what was a lot of fun for people with what I do with my satanic art is, you know, obviously there are a ton of, uh, you know, Christian churches, you know, all different types and, and faiths. And, and one of the things that they've always done really well is architecture and design the stained glass, the symbolism. Um, so one of the things I tried to do was to really wrap my head around um, satanic symbolism and to try to treat it uh, like you would if it was in a building. So I designed a satanic flag, satanic stained glass, a satanic herald heraldic coat of arms, so that these are all things that if you're in that faith and you're in that community, you'd say, wow, this, this person put a visual language together for me. Mm. Right. Yeah. And, you know, some people don't care about it, but those people are outside of the community. I've gotten a really positive feedback over the years to creating these things where it's like, wow, OK, you, you've made the things that we we are hold very important. You, you made it look really cool and you made it look like it's it's important. And that makes me feel good, 
you know, knowing that, you know, if I was able to uplift the community and, and to say, Hey, look, let's take everything and like, let me, you know, become part of the group and, and, and uplift, you know, and, and have fun with the visual symbols and have some fun, you know? Dude, I, 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 again, pug the guys, if you're not supporting for the devil pug, I don't know. You're, 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 you're kind of dead, man. <laughs> well, the, the devil cow on the screen is funny because I posted a lot of this stuff in coloring book groups and there was a guy that flipped out on me in Facebook. He goes, that cow is an agenda. And I was like, well, what's the agenda? And then he's like, you know what the agenda is. And I was like, I don't. And then we I don't. Kind of like, explain it to me, though. <laughs> no, it's, it's finally, it's, it's, you got to do your own research. I can't tell you. <laughs> yeah. I said, it's just a cow I hurt you. And then I got thrown out of the group. I should have been like, you know, the got milk agenda. Like, yeah, making sure you're drinking your milk, not that almond shit. Come on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that's one of the weird things about this yeah. stuff is, is, is the word satanic still has the power to make people feel incredibly uncomfortable. And then when you ask them why, it's kind of a weird combination of like they saw like a Geraldo Rivera special in 1986 that scared them, and then like, <laughs> a, lot of, like a lot of the old ah, camera films. Yeah, the Geraldo Rivera, the anti-Hispanic. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> we did a lot of kind of like scaremongering, like the Geraldo Rivera type journalists. Um, so these are some models that I worked with over the last couple of the, uh, years. Um, some of them are clients, some are ones that I've, you know, worked with to create some big projects together with. So, um, I got to work with some, some big hitters in the adult, uh, BDSM world. Um, so, so they, they all asked to be included in the project cause they were, they were like, this is cool. Like, we appreciate what you're doing. Like this, this supports us. Some of them are using it as merchandise for their, for their, um, brand. So, there was a lot of people involved in this besides the satanic pug. So it's pretty cool. <laughs> I love, again, it's just, it shows again, the community and all that. And everybody, dude, like I did again, your inks. I am just blasted away by them, but um, I do yeah. got the video because you had, I believe it was, um, was it lady V that did the voiceover? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, it's actually Lady Vi. It's short for Lady Vi. Lady Vi. Oh, okay. Violence, I just want right? to make sure I'm saying it. See, see, woo. <laughs> it isn't the hissing cat, um, the Bahamut toy, the Baphomet toy. Sorry, I can't even pronounce it. Yeah. Pride cat. <laughs> I'm just again, dude. I'm just loving it. I'm gonna congratulate you again because you you killed it with um Lord of the Cosmos Kickstarter. You're killing it with this Kickstarter. Mm -hmm. Cheyenne already wants to buy a book because again, we want to get you more more up there. We we want to double your your Still your intake. 19 days left. Like, yeah. what do you yes. do with that much time except create more things to give away? So there are uh there are a couple hundred dollars away from our first stretch goal, which is I will make two new animal pages. I will do a wolf and I will do a pig. Nice. And once nice. we hit that, I'm going to do, I'm going to do two, I'm going to unveil two more random animals to add to the mix. So it's fun. <laughs> there it is. There it can, is. Can, can we, can we add a, what was it? A, a, a husky. Oh my God. <laughs> Maybe. That's Maybe. essentially the wolf. <laughs> there you go. That's right. Yeah. You just set of the blue eyes. You just add red eyes. You'd be good to go. There it is. Oh, I love this. And then they have the option of getting colored prints, guys. You get options of getting T-shirts. I love the shirt. Um, I'm and then have to... there's a coloring menu. You can get me and my kids to color for you. Get my wife to color. You can get some of the models, some of the artists. There's all kinds of people That's... you can like pay to color. <laughs> That's, That's great. Dope. But um, I'm going to play the Kickstarter video for you guys so that this way we can get the full experience because obviously Kickstarter audio doesn't want to play directly with the screen share. So let me share that beautiful bean footage. You guys ready? 
Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Greetings, sinners. Join Jason Lennox as he presents the Satanic Coloring Book, Volumes 1 and 2. Volume 1, Rituals, focuses on the ceremonies of Jason's infernal and erotic satanic artwork, featuring Jason's signature satanic stained glass and heraldry, legendary satanic characters, Baphomet and Lilith, dark and grotesque rites designed to arouse and fascinate you as you color. Volume 2, Animals, is a second all-ages journey into the world of Satanism with a demonic bestiary for you to explore, highlighted by devil dogs, unholy goats, and Jason's favorite, satanic cats. Are you ready to color deliciously? Then hail Satan and back the Satanic Coloring Book, Volumes 1 and 2. Now on Kickstarter. That's a commercial. <laughs> nice. Solid commercial, solid voiceover. Thank yeah. you. Getting get, getting people ready to go. Tone, I have to tell you that that video was one of the hardest things I ever had to make because I had to make a script and I'd never written a script for what I'll call commercial. And that is freaking hard, even though it's only like a minute and change. And then um, a minute working, is a very long time, depending on yeah. uh, where you are. Long or short, really, and what because you want to make sure you get all your your points and all your information. And like yep. you know, she she hits and, it. So whatever you know, solid much. Chris. Yeah. What's that? I'm sorry, Tone. No, no, no. That that's it. Like to your point, you said not too much. You just got to make it nice and crisp and make people like, yeah, I need this in my life. I need to, I need to, you know, color and drink some wine. And this is why I want to color because the, the the coloring books and Barnes and Nobles and Amazon do not fit my appetite. <laughs> yeah. And then, then doing a voiceover because Lady Vi had never done voiceover, so that was kind of like she was like, I'll try it, I'll do it, and and that is brutal because she read everything like thirty times. And, wow. And then. She knew how to do it, but she never did it. So she read it like 30. So it's like she sent me like 40 minutes of audio where she just reads oh. it and rereads it. But what happens is it's like you'll read it and make it you'll you'll screw up. You'll screw up a word, but then you can like splice chunks together to make it sound right. Yeah. Uh, and then Randy Faust, um, Dark Art Randy on Twitter, he put it all together. Um, and then, you know, having to go back through it and say, hey, when they say crayons, make the crayons appear on the verbal cue and then excuse me, one of my other clients is Dead Animal Assembly Plant. They're a metal band from Oregon. And, and I said, can we use some music? And they were like, we just did some instrumental music. You can use it. We really would love to be part of your project. So um, it was coordinating a lot of people for a minute seven. So I have a new appreciation for people doing ads because I never realized how hard they were to do. Yeah, what? I mean, but also like it's just a, it's a testament to you because you just have all of these contacts and, and people that you're working with that you know, trust your craft and, and believe in your craft that you're just able to pull on and say, Hey, you know, can we do this? Can I work with you here? And they're all like, yeah, we want to be a part of the project. We want to support you, you know? So that's, that's just definitely, you know, a testament to you and everything that you stand for. And like, you definitely see it because doing a one minute Chris commercial by yourself with voiceover and editing and music, like that's, that's a huge gig and people are just offering, offering, you know, offering to work with you. And it's awesome, man. Yeah, and, and I really appreciate the kind words there because I always try to, whether it's someone I'm working with, whether it's um, a customer, whether it's, you know, guys like you that do podcasting, I always try to just treat everybody by the golden rule, as corny as that sounds like, treat people with respect, be kind, yep. be considerate, 
And it's amazing that if you if you treat people um, in, in a, a polite way and treat them respectfully, it's amazing how many people are there to lift you up because you're not, you know, you're not out there being uh, negative, you know. So I just try my best just to, again, no matter where they are in my world, whether they're somebody that I pay to work for me or they're giving me money or, or whatever, just, you know, so so when you need help, they're there, you know, and that's how you build you build a community around yourself is just by being being what you want around you and, and you'll get it back. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, I got one more here. The devil farmer. Please tell me how yeah. did this come about this photo shoot. So. Every couple of years I do a promotional photo shoot. So that picture is it's almost painful to look at. So I had this idea of doing that, you know, the, the, the American Gothic. And um, I drew the background. I, I got a 3D model of that house and I drew the house, which is, again, you got to make it just like the house. And then I had um, Jesse Hege color it for me. And I said, color it like it's in hell. And then literally COVID hit and then the whole thing got stopped. And then I went through a process of buying things and working uh, with the young lady in, in that picture. Uh, hi, Taylor. Um, Taylor Stewart from Altoona. And she is not a model, but she's a friend that helps me out at shows. But she said, I'd love to do it. And then her and I were shopping online to get all the bits and pieces and props that we're wearing uh, down to the necklace and pins. And uh it, and then when we went to shoot the photograph at my friend Dave Gibson's studio, there was even stupidity. Like I bought a pitchfork from uh, a farm and home supply in Indiana online. The pitchfork was black and then it's in front of my black outfit and we're like, we can't see it. So Dave had to run and get a can of silver spray paint so we could paint it in his backyard so we could see it. And then there was the insanity of that pose, which just seems like two people standing side by side. That picture was painful because we, we had to shoot that like 80 times to get that exact pose because we had a picture of the portrait that everyone knows. Yeah. And then it's like, well, wait, hold on. That doesn't really work with perspective. So they both, as a, it, so you have to like stand oh, her on an angle and, you know, we're shooting pictures. We're putting tape around our feet. So like, okay, picture seven is this tape mark. <laughs> and, you know, it, it looks like a very just kind of like, hey, whatever snapshot. That picture, it hurt my knees and feet. Oh, no. <laughs> it's like, put your, you know, put your hand, you know, you put your hands like this. But if you go like this, it's too much. And you're like this. And if we actually stood side by side, it wasn't on the right angle. And then uh, Doug Cooper, who's a photographer that I got to know through Lady Vi, um, and he travels all over the country doing photography for models. Um, he was kind enough to composite the photograph with the artwork. Nice. <laughs> nice. So, so the whole the whole thing was just. I mean, it was a cool shoot, but or a cool product, but it's just one. It was just. It one was tough. Next, <laughs> Listen, for real. I, as a photographer who who like I've had friends be like, "Can you recreate this photo?" It is not as easy as like. Yeah, because I guarantee someone's going to move the wrong way, look the wrong oh. direction. You're just like, I'm trying to recreate my childhood photo. I get it. I get <laughs> it. it. But well, it's not know, the same. Well, you know what it's like? It would be like if someone made some weird, like like I shoot a basketball off a wall, off a wall into a hoop. And, and you're like, that's neat. Do it again. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Absolutely. That's the same energy. You're sitting there being like, okay. It, it, it worked once, but you doing it again, it might take you a thousand tries to get that same random thing. So it was very physically difficult. So I'll be like, oh, it's a cute picture. I'm like, that picture is like 
year and a half from start to finish year and a half <laughs> yeah <clears throat> oh man, oh, man. I, I definitely that that that's something that you had to film and capture the bloopers and be like yep here's the gag reel just for this photo here you go well now you tell me right well now we can you know for yeah. next time I know, right? Um, it'll be a while before I do one of those things. I don't. I have no. I have no. It's like people are like, "When's volume three of the coloring book?" I'm like, "This. I'm trying to get through one and two. You're killing me, right? Stop giving me more work." To <laughs> well, do. That, that was gonna be my question because you already got like you're yeah. already miles ahead of like where your goal was. So like, do you start now looking to plan for that kind of thing, or you're just like, "Let me get through this, and when I have like the time and energy, I'll put it into part. Uh, you know, volume three. So I think one of the cool things about these coloring books was they were organic. They, the, the art that was made for them was never, they were just made. So it was just, I just mm -hmm. made things to make them. And then it's kind of like a piggy bank that you're putting coins in one day you turn around and you, you have a lot of money. So I think there will be a third coloring book, but I think it'll just be as, as I do freelance pieces that are satanic, I'll just put them in a folder. Uh, mm -hmm. And then one day I'll turn around and have 23 of them or 24 and be like, hmm, okay, that's enough. And, and then you can just execute another one. So I think, yes, there will be, but I don't think that it, it will be some very uh, concentrated effort. Um, like doing a comic book is, I just think it'll be, hey, you know, next year I'll do four of them and then I'll have, you know, plus four. And then it could take another couple of years, but there's no rush. What, what, would be, what would be the next theme? If you had to like, Think of one, man. I, you know, I don't even have an answer. I, I'd, I'd have to sit. I, I'd probably have to take a look at the art, and, mm -hmm. because when I had the art for these things, um, with rituals, there was like a communion piece, and there was a, a ritual piece, and and there were some that were, were you know, like that reminded me of actual rituals, and then the other one was just animals. So it just made sense to say ritual animals. Um, like I, I drew a guy that kind of looked like a Freemason. Um, Mm -hmm. you know yeah. it's very realistic so um that just made sense so it i think i think to answer your question i think whatever the art that will be made i'll look at it and say this art looks like something you know what i mean i just right. don't know what that is but i think i think it'll speak to me and it'll, it, it'll say this is what you've made looks a lot like this and you'll say that that's what it is it's a good question I like thank you yeah, I like that you said that too, because like these themes, like how you said, they came organically. It wasn't like, oh, let's do this theme. This theme will work. Here we go. It's just in, and like you said, you let the work flow for you on that, which I think is going to be dope. And it gets me excited to see, like, you know, when you do come out with a volume three, what the theme that, um, the work led you to create and all that but we also know yeah. that eventually we're also going to get another kickstarter which we're going to get you back on the show for which is lord of the cosmos because we definitely want to get you back on that because um you know we want to hear more about that story and um yeah. congratulations to you were also at a, a convention recently out um i believe it was a, there was a convention in pennsylvania during new york city comic con week um you were doing one in person as well you were getting to, to talk to the crowd and everything so i hope you got to get the word out even more Lord of the Cosmos in person and everything and the satanic yeah. coloring book. But I want to congratulate you on this, bro. Cause again, we, we are excited for you that you're killing it right now, man. I, I really oh. appreciate it. No, and I've been blessed. I did two conventions in the last couple, in the last two months, I did Harrisburg comic-con in September and I did the sci-fi Valley con in Altoona, which is in Western Pennsylvania near me this mm -hmm. month. And then this coming weekend, I'll be in Baltimore uh, in inner Harbor at the Baltimore convention center at table C10. So if anyone's mm -hmm. going to be in Baltimore, I'll be at C10 and artist alley. So those will be 
my three conventions so far this year that I'm doing a fourth one in November. I'm doing Horror Realm in Pittsburgh at the Pittsburgh Crown South. But it's called Horror Realm. And I think Kane Hodder is going to be there. Oh, shit. Nice. So always exciting to, to meet some creepy horror celebrities that are gigantic people. Well, I'm there hoping that the horror convention comes back to Atlantic City and you end up um, doing that too because that's Ooh. like 30 minutes for me. I, I know that they usually do a horror con around there. Um, I don't know the yeah. months. But I'm going to have to pick on my buddy about that. But you know what? We're in spooky month and we wanted to hit you up with this. And I thank you for coming on with this yeah. one. But now let's talk about some monsters because, you know, that's something that we all love to talk about some monsters because Jason, I know on your Facebook yeah. and everything, you be posting a lot about monsters, about some oh. funny stuff, aliens all and all that. So 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 we're gonna let you lead in with some fun monsters of yours. Um and 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 I don't know, let's just have fun with this because there was just no format thought of. We're just like, you know what? Format today, monsters. It's horror, mm -hmm. it's spooky month. Last year we watched bad horror movies, which um I know I'm still getting picked on about that because um Tone got to watch Rawhead Rex for the first time. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. Hmm. That was that was not good. That was not a good time. That was <sighs> not, not a good that time. Was, that was rough. That was not a good time at all. No, like, no, no. Like no sir, I don't like it. Yeah. For for context, like if you've never seen Rawhead Rex, uh, there's a there's a very particular scene in it that Tone like was like, if I have to watch this law, you have to watch this too. And I was like, nah, but I don't want to. They made me watch it. And I just had so many questions. I like, think so many questions. I think yeah, everyone who's seen go ahead, Jason. Wasn't Rawhead Rex? Wasn't that one of Clive Barker's short stories from Books of Blood from like the early eighties? Yeah, yeah, and no. it was this movie. Are we, are we putting Clive Barker under the table? Oh man! No, no, this is what happened. So it Clive was Barker wasn't it was the director of it. No, he he hated it. He hated the movie, but it was. A it wasn't story. one of his books. Uh, yeah, it was. It was one of his characters. It was one of his books. And I mean, tell him to take it because you did the research and all that on it on Clive Barker. I, no, I, I it was it was just it was just essentially that it was part of the research I was looking up, but like he distanced himself and has nothing to do with okay. You know, it's, it's one of those projects so where like we, they, okay. they take it and then they they you know they bastardize it. change it. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. Oof. yeah, I think the scene that did it for us all was the was the priest um getting the yeah, golden getting getting the R. Kelly shower. That's what we'll call it. <laughs> no, Oof. no, just let's not even use that man's name. The, he just got a he got a piss piss bastard. <laughs> What's crazy is that you rough. saw the zipper for the rubber suit in the back. Rough, so man. It's not good. Like you know, there's like levels of like when you when you, your friends watch like cheesy B list or C list movies. Like that was so far down the alphabet. Like Z is not how bad that movie was. <laughs> Z list. It, it was so yeah so bad. Like oh. I mean, you do get a kid that gets eaten in the movie. But go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I'm, when you I'm see done. stuff like that, I think the older I get, the more I'm like, "What was the meeting where like the four of us were like that? That's good. Print it, put it in theaters across America." And you're in like then years later, it's just like, "What were you high? Like, what were you who thinking? signed off on this? <laughs> you said this is this is this is good, right? It's like who watched Jar Jar for the Phantom Menace and saw that and said this is great. Print that, put it in the movie. Like, and you're just like years later, like what? What was going on? And what was going on? Like, what was that meeting? I want the meeting. That's what I want to see. Where someone said, "This is great. I approve this." This, this was the idea, Jason. What What is a horror movie you've seen over the years that you've come to question? How did this get made? <laughs> mm. 
Man, you know, it's funny because I've been trying to stick to good horror films. Let me think. A horror film where I questioned how, how it got made. Um, I love the original uh, three Romero dead films. And then oh, I yeah. remember they made Land of the Dead. And, and I remember just kind of just seeing parts of it, I think, on home video and then shutting it off where I was like, how did this like how did this get made? Um, and then there was Return of the Living Dead, which was classic. And then I remember as a kid going with my father to see the sequel. And I just remember even as a kid just being like, what? And I think probably my number one horror film that I remember just disappointed me beyond belief, talking to Alien. So um, when Alien 3 came out, I would have been oh. like 16. And I remember going to the comic book store near my house in, in uh, Lancaster. And I remember at the time it was like they started to put movie ads like that were full gloss color photos on the back of like Marvel books. And I remember having this this like heart palpitation excitement about Alien 3 and just because you love Alien, you love aliens, you try to see them on, you know, copied VHS tapes at the time. And I just remember just being like, man, I am ready to go see Alien 3. Like I was like 110 percent in. And I remember I went and it was just kind of like. What? what? And it, it was such an <laughs> underwhelming film. And I know people have tried to kind of defend it. Well, there's a director's cut and it wasn't that bad. And I'm like, man, you, you can't hide your feelings. Like when you go to that stuff, I mean, I was Jones. To, I mean, you know how much I like alien, alien, yes. right? Yeah. And I remember I, I just went, I mean, as a kid and I was just like, and I've tried to rewatch it as an adult. And like, I'm still like 16 year old me and adult me were, were like underwhelming. I agree with Cheyenne. It, you're just kind of like, that's what you did. Like you killed Hicks and Newton the first off screen. That's how you start it. And then the whole film is like, Hey, it's a bunch of guys with shaved heads. And you know, it just was, and there's one alien and it just was so bad. And, and like, there's worse horror films, but I just remember just walking out of that and just being like, what, what did you do? So, I mean, like, I can't <laughs> believe that someone said, this is great. Especially those first two films are so iconic. Yes. I mean, the, the back and forth with Yafit Kodo, and I, I can't think of the other man's name. It's, it's slipping my mind, right? That They have that whole back and forth about money and alien. We get a bonus, full share. Like Yafit Kodo is like the social commentary in the movie because he's like, are we getting paid? Like yeah. that, that in of itself is, is like so good. Just him bitching about money. And then the robot is like, well, you don't get paid according to your contract unless you go there, you know? And he's like, ah, you know, like he plays it so good. Cause he relates to, to you. I don't remember anything like that in alien three. So you're just kind of like you, you, you all, both those films are so good. Just the little, the little, tidbits. the little things. Yeah. But I mean, I yeah. just, they just haven't, I feel like they just haven't, been able to capture that since aliens you know like no. aliens 3 is a trash i don't care for resurrection like aliens oh. 3 and resurrection are just ones i've watched once just to say i've watched them and that's it you know Terrible. and you know they do the they did covenant which me and seabass saw um uh in theaters which you know we we enjoyed it for what it was you know and and prometheus is trying to do something and i don't know it's just after it's like after cameron it just takes a a fucking swan dive and you know, some are some definitely sink to the ground and some are kind of floating, you know, and I, I feel the same way with the Predator series, too. Just, you know, Predator one is like Harry Dean Stanton. That's who it was. Harry yeah. Dean Stanton and Yafit Kota. That's who I'm thinking of. I just looked it up. But yeah, yeah. I think the problem with a lot of horror franchises in general is, is like if like I've rewatched Predator recently. 
it, it could be one of the best action films you've ever made. It hasn't aged. It's it, it's it's over the top, but the, the cast is just, it's lights out and it's such an efficient movie and it's so well done. And like every film, it's like, we're going to start here and then we're just going to kind of go downhill. And, you know, I think a lot of these films, there isn't that much story to tell, but we try to keep stretching it out. And it's like, they're great yeah. ideas for like a sprint. It ain't a marathon. Like yeah. alien, not everything needs to be a franchise. That and hundred percent, hundred percent. What he just said, not everything is a franchise. <laughs> I love. I think Highlander is one of the best, just one-off films ever. There's like seven sequels, none of them make any sense. <laughs> I I hate that I love them so much, but good lord, they should have stopped at like three. <laughs> I, I think you stop at one, but no. I mean, I think that's the problem about these films is they don't have any ideas. And there's diminishing returns, and then they just get so played out. I mean, you look at Terminator. Oh man! Oh man! It's like you hope. It's like Terminator is one of those series that you hope every fucking time. You hope it's good, and it always lets you down. <laughs> like, like, like consistently, no matter what, they can bring back the original cast. Everybody, it's still gonna fucking suck. I, and I, I so I. I, I I watched Dark Fate on Prime. I was like, I'm not fantasy theater. So I threw it on some weekend. I was drawn, just threw it on the TV. And I'm like, wait. So now you got a 70-some-year-old Arnold Schwarzenegger playing a Terminator that has a wife that's bugging him with a kid. And I'm like, I'll, I'll wait. Again, who who put that on paper and said, awesome, we want to have old Terminator with a wife and a kid. And I, I, I like. They just, I, they I just said, like, what's going to. They're just like, well, who, what's going to sell? Arnold Schwarzenegger and the original Sarah Connor. That's what's going to sell. People will see it just for that bullshit. And I'm just well, like, okay, so check it out, right? Like, my dad's like 73 years old, right? Mm. So Harrison Ford is making this new Annie Jones film. He's like, eight, I looked at, he's 80. So I'm like, so I'm like, my dad gets tired if he does some stuff or he'll like play with my kids and he, he'll take a nap or like chill out, you know, or mm -hmm. hey, we, slow down, son, you know. And I'm thinking, so a guy that's seven years older than my dad is knocking the crap out of like twenty somethings, like with his fists and a gun, and then he's gonna get the girl. And I'm like, I love my dad, but I'm like, guy older than my dad is gonna. And I'm like, this doesn't make any sense, like at all. And it's like, I get we love old Harrison Ford when he was like forty, like he's got eighty. We needed Indy Junior. That's what we needed. But but he oh. went crazy. Shia LaBeouf. But, but in that new Terminator, Arnold looks old. And and uh, and Linda Hamlin. I love Linda Hamlin in in her older films. But I'm like, I'm I'm not buying. How old is she now? Like seventy something? I mean, what? She, I don't know if she's that old, yeah. but I think she's up there. Uh, hold on. Do, do you really buy her like running around fighting with guns? It, it that it just. It, it just, it just, it, mentally, I can't, pro I'm like, I don't even, like, can't they have age-appropriate roles? I mean, uh, it, 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 they just, it's that whole thing, again, where it's nostalgia. They want to give into the nostalgia. Linda Hamilton's yeah. only 65. It is nostalgia. That's yeah. all it is. It's, it, it's feeding off nostalgia, and, you know, like, even when coming back to, like, the monster stuff, I, I you know, Law, you know, mentioned, like, nothing has to be a series, and I just feel that a lot of these movies now crutch on the technology we have now like what made monster movies so good was the fact that these directors and creators either had to work off you know real effects right 
or suspense came from not seeing the monster. And when you did see the monster, it was worth it. Yeah. So if you and look at, at aliens, you if you, <clears throat> we if we rewatched it, the four of us together, if we got a, a case of beer and some popcorn and we just sat in a room and watched it, like that film looks real. And it's yeah. guys in suits. Like, so do you remember when Dietrich, when the yep. alien just like grabs her and snatches her up? Like it's a quick cut, you're you're kind of jarred, and it was like a guy on a rope. And like it looks like a woman who weighs about 150 pounds getting sucked into the ceiling because it literally is a woman being literally dragged into the ceiling by a guy on a rope rig. And it's very scary. Yeah. I think. Well, that's why that's why the, the test of time. Like even, you know, even like I was watching Jurassic Park with my kids like two days ago. Mm -hmm. And like right. even that, that shit's the I mean, industrial light and magic are fucking wizards. ILM is you know just what? wizardry of what they're able to do. Very, very limited CGI because they didn't yeah. have much. Yeah. So a lot of that stuff was like switching between like models and then like a little bit of CGI when they had to. I think yeah. having too much has let the like has let them run wild. Like you look at the thing. I mean, it, the worst part in the thing probably is the stop motion animation near the end, but I'll give them a pass because <laughs> I get what they were doing. But like it's all makeup. Like when, yep. when Wilford Brimley puts his fingers in that dude's face near the end, it, you know, it's, it's a rubber, but it, it, there, if I punched one of you or hit you, or we put a squib in you and went, you'll react correctly because it's real. So if I push you the reaction, but when it's like, okay, so, you know, tone jump backwards. Cause this thing is going to pretend to push you. You're not going to do it. The eye will betray you. Cause you're going to look at it and be like, it doesn't, like it's it's not the same as you getting actually pushed, dude. You look at I'm not getting mad. Fellowship of the Ring. I love Fellowship of the Ring with the orcs. It was like dudes in makeup. Yeah, I found this out later because I couldn't stand the Hobbit trilogy. They literally, this is like the cruelest thing ever. The guys that were the orcs every day makeup, and then they were like, yep. let's CGI over them, and they look terrible. And it's like, what reasoning did you have to say, all right, you three? Full makeup every day and prosthetics and hair and costumes. And then I'm like, yeah, what a CGI I'm. Yeah, so they, they look because they wanted they wanted those high frames. I think they were because yeah. that's when the Hobbit came out with those high frames. But Lord of the Rings sta also stands the fucking test of time. Like it's like you just can't you just can't beat practical Absolutely. effects. By you the way, Cheyenne has like a, a political party. I'm into it because everything she's <laughs> saying, I agree with smart. She's smart. Oh. Yeah. It, yeah. It's just it's it's just some it's just something else. And I think like action movies and and big big budget movies like you can do the CGI and we're here for it cuz you can you can contain the spectacle of it all. Like watching Marvel and be like it's just CGI everywhere. Cool, but like monster movies like they need to feel real. To be scary, otherwise it's just like, what am I watching? I like, dare say so this. I dare say this. I think a lot of horror B movies are better than a lot of the newer horror movies that are coming out because even then they had to use a lot of practical effects. Like, and I was glad you brought up um, the thing, Jason, because if you look at the prequel for the thing, the directors were upset because they wanted to use more practical effects, but the studio kind of went behind their back and went in for all the uh, special effects, which you can see the difference in the two movies. One of the ones is scarier than the others. And the, and the thing itself, the original one still stands up to the test of time with the practical effects. What defines a I, other than other than the obvious of <laughs> nice uh, other than the obvious of like you know studio budget and let's say like a couple hundred million dollars thrown at it uh, a project being a a list and a b list 
Because at this point, uh, like like to see his point, we're getting a lot of B list stuff that's coming out that's better than the stuff that Hollywood's making, and we're like, can we just get that again? Like if we just stuck to that, we'd be great. Yeah, I just it just feels like you, you're, you're moving backwards. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I, I, it just it's like I and I've I've spoken to my you know my wife about this when we look when I want to watch a scary movie, I always mm. lean on the past. It's just I can't like I there's nothing now moving forward. Like it's like whatever that made something scary is gone, uh, or something thrilling is gone after you get through like a bunch of sequels. Like Saw one and two are fantastic thrillers. What was that? Just, oh, let the right know, one in. I never saw that one. Now, this film is like is low budget European vampire stuff, and like mm -hmm. it's great. And there's documentaries and how they did the special effects, and they're all kind of like low, like kind of low. Like, can we talk spoilers? Have you guys seen that movie? It's, I haven't seen it, but we can talk spoilers. Whatever. So spoilers. There's a part near the end of the film where there's this this kid that's bullying kind of the main character. It's kind of a slim kind of, uh, you know, really wispy kid that would be like ninety pounds wet. And this guy takes a switchblade and is like, I'm going to put you in this pool for three minutes. Like, he's going to drown him. And they show this kid underwater struggling. And then all of a sudden, the hand holding him, like, just falls in the water. And you see two feet get put in the pool and just get dragged. And, like, it's the vampire that's that's basically, like, killing all the people that are bullying its friend. And, you know, the, on the special effects, how they show it it's very it's very small where it's just a guy in a rig and like it's so creepy and unsettling when you watch it but it's just like a guy in like a little boom crane just like a little just wheels and like i think we've gotten away from impact by storytelling because like that film the bully is so creepy and he the, the the young actor playing the the teenage bully he's he's very scary and he's just a, an 18 year old or 19 year old kid but he just is like you know that was the kid that was picking on you if you were getting picked on when you were a kid and he is not friendly and to me he's better than a million cgi creeps because he's actually <laughs> very he's just the script the acting the dialogue he's a very unsettling teenager and i was um reading what mcfarland wants to do with this with spawn the new spawn he wants to kind of make it horror but he and in a way uh, with Spawn, um, similar to older horror movies like with Jaws and all that, you show the creature less. And he, that's what he wants to do is just show Spawn less and focus more on the characters and the story to kind of give you that horror element. And like when we brought up the thing, what was great about John Carpenter's The Thing, you didn't see the creature until like, you know, when it made relevant for the story. But he leaned on that paranoia. It was the same thing about Jaws. You didn't see the shark. All you had was a fin most of the time and then that music that hit when it was just like this quiet scenes that music dun, 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 and you know some fucked up shit was about to happen and when the shark came and you saw the shark that was it that it was like oh okay and that's what made people jump out of their seats i mean they create a lot of paranoia too for people who were afraid to go to the beach because of sharks <laughs> but that's how you know when you got people when you really made something special um, in horror when you can do that and you don't have to rely too much on the creature and you're using those practical effects for those special scenes when you do see that horror element i also i'd also I, like like to say that not only does it um not rely on the creature itself and rely on the story but it also doesn't rely on like anyone can give you a good jump scare jump scares 
I feel are so much more cheap when they keep happening. It's because now the audience is like, oh, I'm looking out for a jump scare. Oh, yeah, what are the cases? I'm, and I was talking about this on, on my Twitch stream the other day when I was playing uh, some, some, some games. I was like, give me like the suspense and then nothing. That's fucking creepy. Because I know I saw something. I know something's there. Or should there be something there? And then you you're, you let the audience play with those ideas of just like, are they are they seeing what they're seeing? Are they like, and you'll have an audience like gripping their seat going, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. And then when it finally does happen, they're losing their minds. Because not only did is it guys, a satisfying scare, but it's a, you know. Did Jason. you guys see VHS 94 yet on Shudder? Um, I don't no, think I saw I 94 that, I yet. I saw the other ones, but I haven't seen VHS 94 yet. Okay. Without spoilers, it's a very uneven production. There's some parts that are really good, and there's some parts mm-hmm. that are just like I, – I, so I, I give it a, a like a C plus. But there was one of the segments is one of the ones in the trailer where you see a, you see a a, a coffin bouncing uh, at, at a funeral parlor, and there's a young woman there, um, and they just show like a clip in the trailer, so that's not a, a spoiler. But like that segment, what Law just said about just you're you're very tense, and there's a whole lot of nothing that happens in that segment. You're just kind of sitting there being like, and then they don't pay off much. Right. And you're, but, but a lot of watching that segment is just kind of like oh, that yeah. segment might have been the best part of the film, but that was very just kind of like you kept waiting for the jump scare and there's scares, but they don't time them the way that you normally do. And again, you're, I'm kind of just sitting there on my couch, like, oh, when's it going to happen? And then, like, not, and then this girl's just yeah, got nothing. a flashlight or whatever. And you're just kind of like, you're waiting, you're waiting, and you're waiting, and you're waiting, and they don't pay it. The best ones are, well, they give you nothing. And they get you comfortable again. They get you back into like the, all right, we're good. We're safe now. Uh, you know, normal conversation, kitchen dinner, whatever the case is. And then, bam, that's when it happens. Like when, when that stress like comes all the way back down and you're just like get, get real comfortable that something happens. You're like, oh, shit, I just came back down. So, what are you doing? So question for the group. Uh, what is your favorite jump scare? I, I can go first if you'd like. Go ahead, go first, son. Go ahead. Okay. All right. So my favorite jump scare of all time is Deep Blue Sea. Oh. It, is my favorite, it is my favorite jump scare because it has no business being there. It is the only <laughs> jump scare in that entire shark movie. And it is fucking worth it. It's the best. <laughs> it's the best. It gets me. I love it. I love it so much. <laughs> Uh, I think you stole everybody's favorite right there. So no, no, I mean I have I have a few, but they but they vary from like from, from pieces of media because Jason, have... you good? <laughs> I, I, I no, the, man, this 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 is like getting put on the spot in a job interview. Can you tell me, sir, your favorite jump scare? And you're like, uh, tell me when you work with a team to create something that didn't work, but you pulled it out, and you're like, okay, I, man, this is hard. I got to think. Jeez. So so. For for video games, that works a little bit different. I have so many good jump scares from video games that I couldn't even pull them out. Um, but from uh, movies, and it's it's funnier now because like now that I know the jump scare, and I've like I remember showing it to my little cousin back in the day. Like 
full lights on she jumped from one end of the bed back to, to like the back of the bed she was like watching all intently and just went ah! it's uh the texas chainsaw remake so the first one out of the remake uh series when mm-hmm. he comes out of the wall and snatches uh the girl and i was just waiting looking at her going mm-hmm, mm-hmm. got away right and she's like hey yeah, this is and like that wall, like jumping out of the wall was so unexpected. Got me good. But watching it over and watching like my little cousin like freak out about it was chef's kiss. <laughs> Some of the early Friday the 13 stuff with Jason when he just is like, you know, is you're a kid and you're watching Friday the 13th and then there are these um, crazy kills. Like what was it? Just a hatchet that comes out of nowhere. Um, and those were some of the jump scares that used to get me, but the classic, and I'm going to, and Jason's going to love this one is alien when the very first chest buster scene happened, because not even the actors in that scene knew about it. Mm. And that's what makes that scene even more scary because their reactions are all authentic. (laughs) Because <laughs> they didn't all, know what the fuck was, was gonna happen. Mechanical, like spraying out blood and shit. I mean, it's just, it's you know, it just, it's, it's so. And we've, we've cheapened that alien thing up, like where there's just aliens and stuff everywhere. But that first thing with the, the chestburster at the dinner table, it's such a classic scene. And could you imagine what was it? The actress was like screaming too. The actress, I forgot her name, but she was like, Yeah, when she was talking about how she was just really screaming, all the blood is just splattering on her. They're like, Dude, yeah. we felt so bad, but it splattered all on her. And that's her real reaction. I was like, Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> I think I saw somewhere that Stanley Kubrick like asked to come and see some, like, like that fascinated him. And if it fascinated Kubrick, like that got wow, him. Wow, that's amazing. You know. So it was like one of the greatest directors of all time. Like that, that was like one thing that like tickled his curiosity. So, I mean, it's, you know, like if, if he was interested in it, it's like, okay, cool. Like this, that it must be good then. Oh man. I actually got an oldie, but goodie. If Jason doesn't have one yet, Jason, oh, yeah, one I, yet? I'm still thinking, I'm still thinking. <laughs> well, I have an oldie, but goodie. This is like something from, uh, cause my dad isn't really like a horror person per se, but he loves like the Vincent Price stuff and like Edgar Allan Poe, so things of that nature. Um, and as kids, like we would, uh, he would read us Edgar Allan Poe books and like around this time, and then he would uh, have us watch like House on Haunted Hill and all these other like little, like slightly spooky, but what have you. For the first time, I, I must have been like 10, let's say, watching House on Haunted Hill for the first time, the old black and white. The entire movie, creepy as hell. As an adult, I could watch it and be like, all right, cool. That entire movie, as a 10-year-old kid, I'm just like on the edge of my seat. The only but the best jump scare like as a kid was that ending where you're downstairs in the basement and they get the ghost coming out. And it's just like, oh, the house is really haunted. (laughs) Oh, but as a kid, I was like... No, absolutely not. I'm not here for it. Adult me is like, obviously that looks fake, and obviously, you know, oh my gosh. But for that time, I can only imagine being in theaters at that time when that came out, and people just losing their minds for how well placed and how well timed that was. Okay, so I got my jump scare. So, um, 1987, John Carpenter's Prince of Darkness, which is such a weird of religious slash zombie survival weird film uh 
there's a lot of weird shit in that movie. And then and then the one guy's kind of friend type character like gets into the like held through a mirror and he disappears. And then like, they think they've won and then they've won the day. And then the the guy with kind of the big uh PI mustache goes home and he's in bed and he wakes up and he turns on his pillow and his girlfriend is there with her skin going off. And it's just one of those like oh like oh you know what I mean because you're not expecting that. <laughs> And then it, and then it cuts and he wakes up and then there's this whole thing in the movie with, with mirrors and people coming through mirrors and then you know at the end he, he goes up to like touch a mirror and you're like oh boy here it goes but that jump scare with the woman in the bed I mean there's probably better ones but that one just comes to mind that that one is kind of old is one that kind of still gives me a, like whoa you know because they <laughs> you know the guy turns and there's this lady with no skin in the bed you know what's a video game that you guys could not play in the dark a horror game and i mean the first one for me i have to pick is dead space when that first came out when i played dead space mm. i couldn't play it in the dark and it just it took killing it took uh monsters xenomorphs and zombies to a whole new level because in all the zombie games or games that had to deal with like you know killing monsters then you just you know pow 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 you shoot them and they you know all oh, they fall no you had to dismember them otherwise these fuckers are still coming after you and then when they're coming out of like you know because they they did this really beautiful thing of like a philly really recreating that um paranoia that that isolation feeling that you that i remember watching with the thing that the whole like dark sci-fi effect that you saw with aliens oh yeah it's just because you're just like is that something in the dark yeah and then, it really sure enough you like i can't see the vents pop it <laughs> really messes with you that first game and I think they really defined the, the 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 horror genre when it was dying at that point in games, and it was like, nope, nope, nope. We 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 hold my beer, and yeah, I couldn't play that game in the dark. I had to always have the lights on. <laughs> uh, I have a game that I was never able to finish, which was Condemned. Uh, I think it was a like criminal something Condemned. That game freaked me out. I remember one of my one of my buddies back in the day was like, yo, check it out, because I know you like this. And I was like, sure. I got through the first chapter. And I'm talking about, like, <laughs> I got through it, but, like, barely. Like, but it was rough. Because the whole game is nope. It is a nope. The amount of, like, you don't feel safe in a game was that game. Damn. There's, la there's lack of, like, weapons, ammo. There's lack of uh, health. All the things that you think you would find, nah. Then it's not even like these things are like spooky entities. They're just criminally insane people who got let loose into the thing. So they're out, they're doing their thing and what have you. And there's parts of the game where you're like going through like that first chapter and the game forces you to like walk like into places that you would normally be like, that seems like a place I shouldn't go. So I'm going to go that way. The game was like, nah, sorry, this this exit just gets blocked off. So now you have to go down the creepy the hallway that has the light flickering. You're like, hmm. I don't want to. So you start walking, and the door with the pane glass window has a guy just pressed up against it. All of a sudden, you're like, where the fuck did you come from? So you know that game was such hey. a like one of my one of my buddies plays it now, and I'm just like, oh, I can never get back into it. I want to. But it's so bad. Just real quick, speaking of that, have any of you watched Black Summer on Netflix? Oh, I saw the first season. 
I mm-hmm. saw the first that's, season of Black I just Summer. watched the second season. That's like the I mean, it's almost like a video game because it's a lot of little shortcut stuff. That show yeah. is stressful to watch. It is. But and the second is, season wait, called Black like, Black Summer. What? Black Summer. Yeah. Like, yo, you see me at home, like what what do we have to put on our list? I saw I saw the first season. Game here in a minute, but but like just I, I just thought of that because that show was just it's a lot of like each episode is like multiple little like two to four to ten to fifteen minute vignettes with like random characters doing stuff. It is a stre- like season one was stressful season two was even more stressful where it's like i had to give it a break that's how stressful (laughs) like i got stressed watching it out in my house wearing like my sweatpants and a sweatshirt i'm like i'm stressed out sitting here like an ass and i'm not in this these like it it is a stressful show like you you watch it you're like oh i did a lot of work sitting on my couch just now (laughs) (laughs) bro you know it's a it's a it's like you watch it you're just kind of like like because they'll do like weird camera angles where like you'll see a guy in the foreground and you'll see a guy walking in the background. You're like, oh no, who's that? And then like you'll see the person start to run at the person you're looking at. Like there's a, a like an episode in the second season where there's a guy in a car and he's trying to start it, and you just you just see this guy like a hundred yards away turn and start running towards the car, and you're like, oh no, and like they just and then the guy, hey, where am I? And you're like, oh. But yeah, Black oh, Summer. Man. You guys, are, right. you, you, seriously, it's like a job to watch this show. It it is. I I I think it was um Black Summer. I believe was a spinoff though of the of the sci fi show. Um, zo- it was a zombie show because yeah. they mention it. Uh, Z Nation. Z Nation. Yeah. But Black Summer. It's, it's from the same studio, I think. Yeah, it's yeah. it's a spinoff of Z Nation because they talk about black summer like how everything started because i guess this is like the world after that but black summer mm. it just the production quality and i'm glad you brought that up the production quality everything the storytelling like definitely they got that budget for it now um and it just it 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 doesn't feel cheesy like uh, a little cheesy like um z nation no. it just it really like you, that stress factor even like that first season like when i open up with the second season i'm like okay i gotta give this a little bit of break because i feel you what that stress it's like oh wow it's, it's beautiful it's oh man it this yeah that along with train of busan i have to say are two um shows and movies that really bumped up the zombie genre and gave that new life right there and I was just like, this yeah. is this is beautiful. Plastic. Tom, what's your what's your scariest video game? I don't really have one. Like I was like, because uh, I watched Resident Evil when like my dad would be playing. I, I watched him play. I don't. I mean, I would say uh, if I have to say a scariest video game moment, I would be like Resident Evil One when the hunter showed up because that <sighs> shit was wild. Like original Resident Evil, not the new ones, the original ones, because the hunters would fucking. First of all, Resident Evil 1, 2, 3, Code Veronica had that horrible control system where your character did that that rotation on the single axis. You couldn't really go anywhere. Right. You had no ammo. And Resident Evil 1 was really big on jump scares anyway because you would have the dogs going through the windows and all this. And I remember with the hunters, I forgot. I think it's after the lab with the shark. You leave, you go back to the mansion, and he goes to a cutscene, and you see this thing just walking first person view like you hear you just hear it like doing its ad it has hands and the whole thing was that these motherfuckers opened the doors so that was the thing <laughs> with the hunters the hunters opened the doors and they would hide in the corners and if jill or chris had just low enough health when the hunter would jump the corner it would decapitate you game over 
Yep. Yeah. So Resident Evil is... One hunters were like legit. <laughs> yeah. So it this is a, the embarrassing part of the show time. where where I reveal that my video game technology is the original Wii and PlayStation Two still in effect in our house, and we play Wii bowling. There you go. And like there you go. good. Uh, yeah, the last the last video game I seriously played, and, and again I, I'm waiting for you guys to like pelt me with rocks. <laughs> is fine, Grand Theft Auto Vice City? Oh, they got to build you for that one. That's still a classic. Listen, oh, my favorite out of the franchise is Vice City. Yeah, I love so like I, So to me, I had those games, and, the, and then I kind of hit a point in my life where I just stopped playing video games. And like, I play like uh, Words with Friends with my wife, which I don't know. Maybe <laughs> that's so, no, I, I'm so here's the thing I think I missed the entire horror video game genre. It just, I just never, when I was playing games, it's, I just didn't, it wasn't, I, I kind of remember playing a Resident Evil or two. I don't recall them actually being scary. I wasn't like, holy mm. shit. But I mean, I have heard a lot of people saying that Alien Isolation is like a really yes. scary yeah, game because it's, you know, it's like, the like, can you hide in the you desk? And, yeah, the monster is overpowered. So that's the whole, yeah. the whole point is like, you can't kill the alien. So that's the. Right. Also, too, it, yeah. it, it has um, the AI that they designed for the <laughs> alien in that game. Uh, it kind of changes up the gameplay all the time. So it's like, yeah, it's not like this whole thing like with other horror games where you hide here, the creature's going to pass by you like you can already tell what's going to happen. No. The fucker will find you and it will fucking kill you. And it, and it has all these beautiful... like. Oh, my buddy was playing it. He was streaming it. Uh, Mayhem Mike, shout out to him. And he was trying to play it on an extra hard level. So oh. he got killed every way that you can in the game in this one stage that he was still trying to get out he was like dude what the fuck how did they get me from here and it would just always just sneak up on him and it was just like yeah and then he'll see it right there kill a couple of guys and then it was like all of a sudden it's like he not he backs up to try to hide this is how crazy it is he knocked something over and the creature heard him looked and then it went into the vent so he thought he was good it went into the it came out from the event behind him to fucking grab him from behind just like that. He was like, dude, what the fuck? <laughs> so this is like really hunting him. Yeah, they're fast. Yeah. Like, yeah, that as, game big, as big as they are, they're fucking fast as fuck in that game. Man, the but, original um, alien, um, they had a, a young man, and I think he passed away. Like they hired a, an actor that was like six foot eleven or something. He was a, just a big man, and and something mm. happened. He died like not long after Alien. But you know, when Alien looks big, it's because. And then the 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 head, his his head was in the neck, but the guy was like, you know, he was like an NBA player type big. So I mean, when you see Alien, and it's big. It's because it's freaking big it's a big man oh yeah but um we're about to come to the hour but i want to share this with you guys with the spirit of halloween it's not a horror monster no it's not it's not scary i know we've been talking about monsters but for some reason ninja turtles are now crossing over in a toy line with cobra kai what <laughs> what 
We needed so you that. Guys, yes, we did. We we really needed that because that's what we asked for. <laughs> Danny LaRusso taking on Michelangelo. John Creason taking on Raphael. Uh, Johnny Lawrence taking on Donatello. And Miguel Diaz from the new series for Cobra Kai taking on Leonardo. Yes, they're in Halloween costumes. That's what they are. They're beating up guys who are in Halloween costumes. That's what they're doing. They're being the bullies right here. <laughs> oh, my, oh, my God. But um, Jason, oh, let us give I, you the floor because right now we'll give you the plug to plug away thanks. your book. Uh, uh, we'll go in the back, so plug it in, bro. So, guys, um, Satanic Coloring Book is on Kickstarter. Um, I have it pinned up on my Instagram and Twitter, which is just at Lenox Artist, L-E-N-O-X Artist. Um, it's pinned on my website, jasonlenox.com. And it's also up on my Facebook page, Jason Lennox, or I'm sorry, Facebook.com slash Jason Lennox Illustrator. Um, so like I said, Facebook, my website, Instagram, and Twitter, they're all easy ways to find the Kickstarter. Or just look me up uh, using Google, Satanic Coloring Book on Kickstarter, Jason Lennox. You'll find it really easily. Um, but any of those social media, I'm easy to get a hold of. If you're like, help, Jason, I can't figure it out. Just go on one of my things and tag me, and I will I will spell it out for you. I will hold your hand and take you to the promised land so you can color deliciously in my satanic coloring books as always nerds of the round thank you so much for having me a guest in your virtual home you're a wonderful host um i hope one day we can all hang out in person and watch horror films and critique everything and, and be very nitpicky and critical and still have fun there we go <laughs> there we go this is Jason, why too many people in the background but yes <laughs> No, it's, Jason, so it's, it's a pleasure. We're glad that we had you back on again. It, it is awesome. I'm glad that, you know, we we've been able to connect and, and yes, they in person. That's why I go, dude, when the horror con comes here, definitely. If you're at that horror con over here, we're going to definitely jump on the table. You're not too far from us. Hopefully we're looking one day to do something in person because um, again, there, there are a lot of people that we just want to hang out with in person. You are definitely well, one of them, bro. We are definitely going to get out. Atlantic City show, send me information so I know what's going on because sometimes I'll, like someone will say do it and then I'll, like I'll forget about it. But it, just send me the information <laughs> when you have it because I'd like to check it out. That sounds fun. Oh yeah, I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna um pick on my buddy who usually does it. So be like, hey, what's that horror show information? Have him send it to me. And if he's listening, um, Hash, if you're listening, send that freaking information. Um. But oh, Jason, again, congratulations on the Kickstarter, guys. If you want to support the Kickstarter, please do. Don't if do support the Kickstarter. The link is in the description. And if you want to learn more about Jason Lennox, we had an awesome interview with him that we did um, for our creator series. The link is also in the description there. So you could go back and watch it and learn about his other series, Lords of the Cosmos, which again is a Magnus Opus, awesome comic that if you love space um, operas and everything like that, if you love seeing um, great outlandish villains out there and great outlandish heroes that just look phenomenal. His inking style is just awesome. Um, and if you want to commission him, follow his links because this guy kills it with his commissions kills it his work it's very beautiful work and you can see it too on the kickstarter with the pages that he put out there for the coloring book jason again thank you for coming this has been the spooky episode <laughs> told you right for that hey say spooky tone say spooky spooky <laughs> Man, this has been another episode of nerds and rounds guys it'll be your host sebastian it's a boy law anyway tone from across the hall stay you guys later. Peace. Later.